Welcome to The Moon in Your Mind with your hosts, Chelsea Winter and Alyssa Ray. We are on a mission to build a community of empowered individuals to stay curious in their work, their relationships, and daily lives. By interviewing experts and uniting astrology and psychology, we will hold the space to connect you to new wisdom, unique stories, and insightful resources for you to cultivate your best human experience. Let's get curious. You guys, we are so excited to share with you our newest offering, the Cosmic Consulting Program. We are combining my wisdom of astrology and Alyssa's background in somatic psychology to support you in finding more authentic alignment and embodiment in your life. As your cosmic consultants, we will provide you with a juicy and actionable natal chart reading, a consultation session with both Alyssa and myself, as well as a nourishing somatic coaching session with Alyssa. And If you wanted to go even deeper, we are also offering two add-ons that you can choose from, a personalized journal or a personalized meditation crafted by Alyssa and myself based on your chart, consultation, and coaching session to continue diving deep into this work. Or you can just choose both. If you're ready to get started, shoot me an email at chelsea at themooninyourmind.com and we'll schedule a consult. We can't wait to support you on your journey. Hello, loves. Today, we are joined by the beautiful Natalie Thomas. Natalie is a corporate wellness consultant, mindfulness coach, astrocartography reader, and founder of The Now with Nat. She began using mindfulness techniques at a young age as a junior Olympic diver, and now with her lifelong yoga, meditation, and mindfulness practice, teaches others how to ease stress and find stillness in their day-to-day lives. Through her 12-week meditation program, corporate wellness events, and intuitive readings, Natalie has helped countless people experience transformational breakthroughs deepen spirituality, and develop a lasting practice of self-care for inner development. Welcome. We're so happy to have you here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So I am excited to start off just talking about astrology a little bit. So I actually know about you from an astrocartography workshop that you did. So rather than kind of telling you things you probably already know, I kind of want to hear from you about your sun, moon, rising, you know, what traits you really identify with, which ones maybe you don't, how they've shown up throughout your life, and just, you know, kind of whatever you're comfortable sharing. Yeah, absolutely. So my chart is actually mostly water and fire. My, gosh, let me think, my sun and my rising is in the sign of Sagittarius. So this is a fire sign. I definitely really resonate with being a Sagittarius. I love to travel. I left the US six years ago. I've been living abroad. I've lived in five, six different countries. I travel all over. I love meeting people from different backgrounds with different cultures very independent. Sometimes I speak my mind, (laughs) speak my truth, a little bit blunt being a Sag. I definitely try to have for the most part, right? A positive outlook on life. My moon is in the sign of Libra. So an air sign, the signs ruled by Venus. And with my moon sign, it's kind of funny because our moon placement is our inner emotions. It's also really the side that people don't really know about us until they get to know us. And I think people are always surprised that while I'm such a Sagittarius and I love my independence, I do like romanticize love in some sort of way. (laughs) And I love a good love story, right? And being in love, definitely a very Libra trait of mine. And I also feel like I'm a people connector. I like working with people. You know, I appreciate good art, good food, nice glass of wine, all that jazz that rules that Venus energy. And then I do have a lot of Scorpio in my chart as well. So my Mercury 
Venus and Pluto is in the sign of Scorpio. So very deep, very intuitive, definitely cuts beneath the surface with things. And this side, I love Scorpio energy. It has more of an intensity to it. So again, this is the side that people don't really know about me so much until they really get to know me because I do have more of an intense side and the things I do and more resonates with my sixth sense. I also have Pisces energy, which you know goes into the spirituality. So that's kind of my chart in a nutshell. But I like to say my Libra moon keeps me sane, the air sign, and then the rest is like Scorpio and Sagittarius. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And I feel like it's funny hearing you say that the air sign is what keeps you sane. Yeah. Like just because you have all that other intense energy, I'm all fire and air mostly. And Alyssa is all earth. Yeah. But I feel like the, oh, wow. the air is what I'm like always just kind of floating above. Like I feel like my air does not ground me or keep me down to earth at all. Well, we can overthink too, right? We, we overthink a lot. And I'm like, wait, I'm supposed to be more sad. And why am I overthinking yeah. everything? So that's the <laughs> downside of air signs. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. And then I love, you know, you were talking about traveling. So I definitely want to hear about where you've lived, all your traveling. And then also just, I feel like astrocartography is obviously a big part of your work and that fits Sagittarius so well. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. I left the States six years ago. I, I would say though, I started traveling since I was really young or moving my homes when I was really young. I was born in Miami. I lived there for four years. Um, grew up in New Jersey, lived in New Jersey, I guess. That would be like 14 years. So I spent a lot of time, moved to it. Um, gosh, where did I go? Georgia. I went to University of Georgia. I lived in Atlanta. I lived a summer in New York. I lived in LA for four years. So all by the time I turned 30, I had lived in many different states. And even now people are like, where are you from? I'm like, of the world, <laughs> citizen of the world, Sagittarius. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but and then I guess I moved to Santiago, Chile six years ago. One of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. And since then I've lived in Bali. I lived in Colombia, Nicaragua, Costa Rica. Now I live in Lisbon, Portugal. So oh uh, living abroad is definitely in my blood and my soul. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's wow. incredible. Tell us about Portugal. Portugal is amazing. I started coming to Portugal right after the pandemic in 2021 to kind of suss it out as a home environment, a much different energy then versus now just because of COVID, right? Everything was shut down, but Portugal is really an amazing place. It's very international. There's a huge expat community, um, but very much engraved in the Portuguese culture, which you, you still really feel a part um, of the city. And then it's by the beach. There's a wonderful mindfulness community. There's there's so much to do. Sometimes I joke it's like Disneyland for adults. Or I even joke as <laughs> sometimes I'm like, am I in college? Like I go to a coffee oh. shop and I like know people. And then we all meet at this place on Fridays. And then I run into people in yoga class and we're with our backpacks on. And it, it, it's it's wild, but it's really it's cool. been an incredible experience. Love that. It's amazing. And then so you moved from the US to Chile, you said. I did. How did you pick that place as your starting point in international? So a friend of mine was living in Santiago. And at the time I was backpacking through South America. And I was like, what am I going to do when I get back to LA? I was ready to make a change in my work, ready to jump ship with my job. And my friend in Chile was like, hey, Nat, like, why don't you come live in Santiago? Because her friend was looking for a roommate 
for him to really practice his English, a native English speaker for free rent. So because of that, I took that as a sign from the universe and I quit my job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And this is in 2017. I did not even know of the term digital nomad. I didn't know people did that. Like I had zero idea, but I quit my job and I was like, I'm going to go for two months. And then six years later, I'm I'm still abroad and now this is my home. So that's, that's how I wound up in Santiago. Wow. Wow. That's, that is a sign free rent, like just to speak your native language. (laughs) It was such a great experience. I was so lucky and my roommate who I moved into such amazing person. I met Mm -hmm. so many great people. It was truly, truly the, one of the best experiences. So yeah, it's funny how it all works out. (laughs) The universe is full of surprises. (laughs) So what were you doing in LA? Like what career did you kind of leave behind? I was working in film. So my background is in entertainment. I was working for a movie studio Uh in the creative advertising department, making movie trailers. And I still have my hand in the film industry. So I did leave that job, started my own business. And then two years ago in 2021, I went back into the film industry and I work for a small production company right now, basically developing movies. Yeah. to to put in production. So that's that's great. I've been able to do that abroad and, but my whole background is in film and entertainment. That's awesome. So is that, that, I'm guessing that's what you went to college for to study. No, I studied fashion merchandising. (laughs) Oh, wow. Oh my God. That's I cannot believe the realm of things. (laughs) It's crazy. I studied like business and fashion merchandising and I did my internship in 2009 at Marie Claire magazine in New York. And after that experience, I, I just didn't think I wanted to work in fashion and I didn't want to live in New York city. That was another thing. And being in the fashion industry, it's mostly all in New York. Mm -hmm. And I just realized being in New York city, wasn't really for me. I love to visit and I have an amazing time whenever I go, but I wound up moving to Atlanta and working in film and I have family in the film industry as well. Very cool. That's awesome. I'm going to go backwards a little bit, but your childhood and upbringing, like how did, Mm -hmm. how does all of this unpack itself into fashion merchandising and film than everything else that you've done? I guess that's my Libra moon, right? (laughs) Like the, the art and the fashion and beauty and X, Y, Z of working in that field. But when I was younger, I was actually a competitive diver. I was like a really intense athlete. So like a springboard diver. And I remember though, I was in middle school and we had to write a paper about what we wanted to like be when we grew up. And I wrote mine about being a fashion director. So I always knew I wanted to work in fashion. I'm right now I don't work in fashion. Maybe someday I will get my hand in it, but I do feel the fashion industry and the movie industry there, they kind of go hand in hand in an interesting way. But ever since I was super little, since I can remember, I wanted to work in fashion. And then I just kind of transitioned into the next industry over. Mm, Very cool. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So how did you get into astrocartography and astrology in general? Like, Were you interested in that when you were younger? Kind of where does that all play in? Astrology, my first remembrance was my mom gave me a book about being a Sagittarius because <laughs> she kept, she always said, you're such a Sagittarius to such a Sagittarius. I definitely get more of my mysticism and mindfulness stuff, you know, traits, maybe more, a little bit more on my mom's side of the family. I would say that was heralded down, but that's when my interest came about. So it was just me doing my own research about being 
a female Sagittarius. And I got deeper into my chart and reading my chart a little bit later. I think when I moved to Chile is when I started doing really deep dives into all of my planets. I started working with an amazing astrologer, a few astrologers now that I know. And it was about two or three years ago where I took a course on astrocartography. And through that course and the teacher, the course was amazing. I started just giving chart readings you know, to myself and then also friends and family members. And that just grew and grew and grew. And the more that I practiced and the more that I read charts, the stronger that intuition and stronger that muscle kind of grew in my knowledge of astrophotography because astrophotography and astrology in general, it's like a language. Like you learn how to speak and it can be very challenging. Like I'm still learning. I feel like astrology never, ever, ever stop learning. It's so in-depth and so intense. And there's so much I can still learn with astrology. And astrocartography, but that uh, astrocartography has been my main focus when working with clients, but that's how I got into it all. But I've always been, you know, into astrology and mindfulness and spirituality, and it just felt like a nice transition into astrocartography. Awesome. Do you ever use astrocartography to decide where you're going to move to next as you're traveling all these different countries? Do you use that or not? You're just kind of like, I'm just going to go and see what happens. I'm using it a little bit more now, but when I first started traveling, I didn't know too, too much about astrocartography, but it's been so interesting to look back at all of the places that I've lived or relocated to, or even people that I've met along the way where I have lines going through. So now, especially now that I've been giving readings, I do live near three of my lines. And I also make sure just to be more cognizant of where I'm traveling and what lines I do have going through. I will check that for sure. So if you don't mind, can you give us some examples of like what those lines are, what they represent, how it's, you know, influenced your life in any way or impacted you? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, the strongest lines have been my North Node IC lines. And your North Node is basically the energy that you're stepping into in this lifetime. And everybody has a different North Node placement. So mine's in the sign of Aries. So I'm stepping more into an Aries energy. And IC means your home environment. For some reason, I live on my North Node IC lines. I've dated people from my, my North Node IC lines. Oh, wow. I tend to travel to them. And when I lived in New Jersey on the East Coast, I did have a really strong line going through. I also have line that same exact line going through where I lived in Colombia. I lived in Medellin and Santiago, mm-hmm. Chile. And in those places, also when you go to a North Node line, it completely changes the course of your life. Like you have this really big transformation. You meet a lot of people. You have karmic connections, karmic experiences. It feels very familiar. And for me, being in all of those places has definitely changed the immensely the course of my life just from living there. Um, I also have that line going through Italy. I have not lived in Italy, but Italy is definitely a place I've been to four times. I've done a retreat there. I really resonate with Italy. So yeah, that that's been, that's one example. And then it's really cool because you can also look at the chart and you might see lines going through countries or cities where you have good friends from. So you don't necessarily always have to travel exactly to the line. So I have a mm-hmm. Jupiter line in my ascendant which is very positive for me. I'm a double Sag, which rules Jupiter or Jupiter rules Sagittarius. And that line, it's going through multiple spots, but one of them goes through the Liverpool in the Liverpool in the UK. I've never been there. I most likely won't live there, but one of my best friends is from Liverpool. So she brings that awesome, amazing energy into my life. So yeah, you can just kind of correlate and put all the pieces together, but it's very, very fascinating. That's really cool. So, and I didn't realize, like, I know very minimal about astrocartography, mm-hmm. but I didn't realize that it could impact 
like if someone close to you in your life, like you said, your best friend mm-hmm. is from that area that can also influence you. Cause I looked at my chart once and I was like, Oh, so I have to move to all these places. They're like travel to all of these places. And I was like, how is that possible? But that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You can start to piece that together for sure. Mm-hmm. Really cool. So how do you merge? Cause you, your bio, you know, your intro has all sorts of different things. So how do you kind of like merge everything together. It's the astro cartography, mm-hmm. the astrology, the meditation, the yoga, mm-hmm. the corporate wellness, how, you know, you do a lot, the film, yeah. <laughs> you know, like how does this all work together? I feel like I have to do many different things. I don't know why. I guess that's kind of like a Gemini energy uh, or maybe it's the air. Um, I really, really like doing many things at, at once, I guess. Having my hand in different projects, it definitely keeps things interesting I get to work with people, but yeah, it's really just balancing it out, like balancing out my corporate clients. Um, I have a few we meet monthly, so that's really awesome. With the yoga, I do teach yoga still, but I I do focus more towards corporate wellness and leading online events. Mm -hmm. So anything event related is more my forte now and anything that's around meditation and meditation, guided meditation. And then the astro cartography it's, it's almost like a coaching session in the same way. Like you work one-on-one with somebody, it, it, we, we talk, we, we go over things, we talk about their life, we talk about where they're at. So it, it does even turn into some sort of coaching. So it all very, very much goes hand in hand. And then with the film, I, you know, I hope eventually to combine everything together someday, but the film is just my passion and I love working in the film industry. It's, it's where my heart has always been at at the same time. So Having both in my life helps me feel very, very balanced because while spirituality is important, my the film world is important to me too. So that's where I feel the most imbalanced by by doing both. Awesome. So this corporate wellness work that you do, explain that a little more to us because I think I have an idea of it in my mind, but I wonder if it's different for what you offer. Yeah, it just depends on the client. So I work with different companies and a company might hire me for a six month or a 12 month program. And I go on, I lead an hour session, which starts with maybe a short guided meditation. It starts with breath work. Then we go through a presentation we do journaling prompts and we end with a guided meditation. So it's really just giving employees the tools that they need to practice mindfulness and to really focus mm-hmm. on self-care and look at mental health from a certain way, right? And to you know, really just better themselves is I'm just giving people things that I have learned and I'm just passing it on. And every single class has a different theme, a different intention. So we, we don't really go over the same thing twice, but I'm just providing tools for people to live happy and healthier lives. That's awesome. That's really cool. So how big of groups do you tend to have, or does it vary based on how big the companies are? It varies. I have like 10 people and I've also had like 95 people. So it really just depends. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. I hate public speaking. That's why I do podcasts instead. So 95 people sounds so scary to me. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I know. I'm like weird. I love public speaking. So I feel in my element, but it's funny because I'm more of an introverted person. (laughs) That's awesome though. Good for you. That's really cool. Man. And I just feel like that's so important though. Like these I feel like so many companies need more mindfulness, like Mm -hmm. companies, especially it sounds like you work with some smaller companies, probably like a lot of startups, I imagine. I do. And I feel like there's such a grind culture there that there's never any time to sit back and just be like, wait, let's pause. Let's meditate. Let's take an hour a month and really focus on this. Like 
it just doesn't exist in most companies. Yeah, it's and thankfully, it's becoming a little bit more mainstream and companies are realizing that they have to put employee wellness first, even in order to get good leaders and to get, you know, the results you need, people have to be in the right state of mind. That's myself included when I work. So it thankfully, it's becoming more and more out there and more and more accepted, but it, it's, it's still, we still need more of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And your diving career, like, did that kind of play into this work that you offer? Like, I'm wondering if a lot mm-hmm. of the tools you learned for that, cause that's a lot of pressure and that's a lot of work to dedicate. Absolutely. That's a really, really good question actually, because my first introduction to mindfulness is I was really, really young and my coach had us watch a video about how to train our mind to, to play sports. Mm-hmm. And I really credit any success that I had in diving and sports in general, just from that video. And it, it tells you to really imagine and visualize yourself doing the dive or whatever that athletic trick that you want to compete in. Um, imagine yourself doing it correctly every single time and keep visualizing and feel it in your body and really believe that you can do it. And I really use those techniques from a really young age. And that is what helped me succeed in diving. And I credit the majority of any success that I had to that. And when I became more into the spiritual realm and mindfulness, which was 11 years ago, I started to correlate the similarities of that video. And I'm like, wow, well, if that worked for diving that must work in every aspect of my life in visualization and manifestation. So I was able to use those techniques and really see, wow, okay, I did get results. So if I apply that now as an adult, then it should also work. So it's been a lot of trial and error and a lot of self-realization of how interconnected it all was. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so the spirituality piece, like how did that come into your life and what does that look like for you? Because I think that term can be widespread, right? A lot, it means something different to everyone, but for you, how for sure, right? Yeah, I like to say everyone's spiritual in their own way, it doesn't matter what you believe in or do. But for me, it happened in 2012. I became really, really into meditation and mindfulness and energy healing and. I started reading all of the books. I had this big wake up as so to say, and it was a very interesting time because there was no social media. I mean, there was Facebook, there was like no Instagram. No one was talking about this at all. And people thought what I was doing was really weird. (laughs) And yeah, it it was a strange time. And I hid in this, the quote, spiritual closet of not really sharing too much because I would share too much and then it was a weird thing. And I had to find this balance of how do I step into the truth of who I am and not be ashamed of that. Now, flash forward a decade later, it's very much mainstream and widespread, which there's pros and cons with that as well. But that's really how I got started with it. It was, I was doing a lot of yoga. I had kind of like this wake up within myself. I started doing energy healing classes. I I was doing, I was meditating and one thing led to another and I got a mentor. I worked with trusted people and it prompted me. You even helped with my next move to LA, which it was a little bit more open than too. So interesting. Yeah. And so how did you take it from something you were just interested in, a hobby? Mm-hmm. You quit your job, you moved to Chile. And now you do it full time. What did that look like? Mm-hmm. 
Oh my gosh, it's been such a process. I actually started my blog in 2016 before, or my website, I should say, before I even moved to Santiago and before I knew I was moving, I I randomly started the Now with Nat and I didn't even know what it was going to be. Like I was like, mm-hmm. I have this blank website. Maybe it will be about yoga. It's going to be something mindfulness. I have zero idea. So I I just started by putting the intention out there and I hired somebody to make my website for me. And then when I moved to Chile, it turned into a blog and I started writing about mindfulness and my travels. Then I started teaching yoga. So then it became a site for yoga. And then I started leading retreats. So I made it a retreat website. So it really just was this ever evolving platform. And it really was not until 2020 during COVID where I started working with corporate teams and molded my business more into the corporate space and the coaching space and now astrocartography. That's when I also started my own podcast, The Now With Nat. But I just started by making a website, not even knowing what it was going to be. So if anyone out there who's like thinking of an idea, just I mean, you can just get the website and you'll see how it evolves. But it wasn't like a one-way track. It just morphed into something of what it is today. And who knows, that could change within the next year or two years or five years. And I think that's spiritual in its own sense, right? It's like you just knew to show up, right? And you're like, I'm showing up and this is just going to become what it needs to become in every chapter and phase of life. And for sure, like you said, ever evolving, which is so beautiful. Ever evolving. And just by putting that intention out there, like I knew there was something. So it's like always follow that feeling. I had a reading done, I think in 2015 by someone Or maybe I was reading for myself and it was like entrepreneurship, like you are going to have your own company. And I was like, what? Like, I I feel like I eventually will, but I don't know what that will look like. So I'm just going to buy a website and call it an out that. Like, that's really what happened. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing fancy. (laughs) Yeah. No, no big, no big company or anything. (laughs) So I just kind of did it. Well, and I think in that sense, it allows you to be flexible and let the call the different Mm -hmm. things come in when we're so narrow-minded and like, oh, this is exactly what I'm going to do. The universe will test you and be like, eh, maybe you go try this out, right? And so you're more fluid in that way. Oh, everything that I've done now is because it was someone asking me for it, honestly. Like it wasn't, I didn't sit back and like, I was like, oh, here's the whole now with that site. Like it was because somebody asked me for a meditation course and I created one. Mm -hmm. Someone asked me for astrocartography and I created that and I went through the training and then someone asked me for, oh, like, can you teach yoga classes for our corporate team. And then it just evolves. So So yeah, it's funny what shows up. Yeah. (laughs) The universe just gives you, you you just work with it, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I was going to say like, you must be very comfortable, like putting your ego aside to just follow those calls, right? Like your ego isn't wrapped up in like, I'm a yoga teacher, but then something else comes along and you're like, well, no, I only do yoga. So I'm not going to do astrocartography. Like, and I think that's very difficult for people, right? We've lived so much in our egos. So change can be very difficult. Oh, I've had ego death like many times. <laughs> like a, a huge one was living, moving to Chile. Like I left everything. Like mm-hmm. I left the shiny job. I left my car and my apartment and my clothes. I put everything in trash bags and gave it to Goodwill. Like I oh. left everything and I started with bare, mi- like bare minimum. I had suitcases, like I had stuff in storage. But yeah, bare minimum, complete ego death of having this big career to be like, oh my gosh, like what, what am I going to do now? So 
Definitely. Yes. You have to, especially doing and being an entrepreneur in any sort of way. It's like, oof, sometimes it's not easy. You have to ride the tides and sometimes it's really putting your ego aside (laughs) and doing a lot of things you maybe not really want to do at first, you know, to get your business going. So Mm -hmm. absolutely huge, huge ego death a lot of times. (laughs) I'd love to hear like, you don't have to tell us all of the lessons, obviously, but some of the lessons that those ego deaths taught you and like, what have you learned since going on this journey? Really about how to tap into my authentic self of who I am. I think when we are living in Western society and like we're growing up in like, not in LA, but living in LA and growing up in the States and living, like we're told to be a certain way and to look a certain way and to do something. And a lot of that when we're younger has to do with molding to other people's needs and what society tells us and our status and X, Y, Z and the car we drive and like whatever. And we can have all that. Like we can have nice things in this lifetime and the title, but it's not being so attached to everything that Mm -hmm. at the same time, And it was the first time where I left the country where I just came back to myself. Like, who is Natalie? Like, who who am I without that job or that car or that apartment or, you know, that XYZ? Like, who, who really am I? And I went down to bare minimum and it really taught me a lot about myself and how I want to show up in the world, the truth that I want to share with people the relationships that I want. I've, I've been very lucky. I've always had great friends around me throughout my whole life. Like very, very lucky in that regards, but it just made me really reflect. And I still reflect, like I'm still moving to new places, not knowing anybody and having to start from the beginning in that sorts. And I'm still reflecting and I'm still doing that peeling off the layers work of how can I show up in the best version of me that is serving other people at the same time. And yeah, it's just been a very transformational process. And I think that will continue right throughout this lifetime. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. That's definitely important. And I'm curious if part of that has been every time that you move and transition to like a new place, is that where the call comes from or is it something different? Normally my moves have been for a reason. Like I left Chile. Well, I had a reason to go to Chile. I had an opportunity, an opportunity in Bali to live there. Mm. Then I moved to Colombia and what was there all through lockdown. So I was there for a while. And then the other places I traveled to, like I did a retreat in Nicaragua. So I went to Nicaragua and I had like reasons to go to places, but every time I learned something new about myself, for sure. Like I Mm. definitely started connecting with different people. I spent a lot, so much time alone. I've traveled different countries completely on my own, middle of nowhere, figuring it all out. And it teaches you a sense of how to take care of yourself at the same time. And that's something I think we also forget to do in Western society, something I forgot to do. I wasn't really taking care of myself in the way that I needed to. So I would say that each move really teaches me how to ground knowing that a home is what I create inside first, not totally my external reality. It's the home within. And also it just teaches me that sense of solitude is a really powerful thing and not always having distractions. Mm -hmm. I love that. 
It's so important. I think, especially as Americans, we love to distract ourselves with everything. And we're good at it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have a lot of means to do so. We have, we're really good at it. Yeah. <laughs> we have perfected that. Yeah. And I love what you're saying about like your home is what you make and your home is inside of you. I think also as Americans, it's so we spend so much time thinking like we want the nicer apartment. We want to buy the home and then we need a nicer home. And then we need to be in this place. Like we're never really settled. Like we always feel more and more and more like I'll be happier if I get this, if I get that. And I just love what you're saying of like, no, it's in you. Like you, I feel like mindfulness, gratefulness, like all of that is what really brings you. Yeah. It's all inside. And you know, in another humbling experience, now that you bring up home, I spent a, I, after COVID, I spent a lot of time at home with my parents again, in the middle Mm -hmm. of transitions, I will go home with my parents and I'm in my mid thirties. Like I, I haven't lived at home since I was 18. So, and, but that in itself was also so wonderful of being able to spend time with my family, but yeah, also very humbling at the same time to be like, okay, where am I going next? And when am I going? But yeah. it's been, it's been also an opportunity for me to ground myself, reconnect with my family after just being all over the place. But yeah, it's, it's always an adventure. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was around us who said like, if you think you're enlightened, then go home and spend a week with your family. And it's mm-hmm. like, so true as adult. I was home with my parents for a little bit too. And I was like, okay, yeah. This is what I'm learning. Many right people now. were, especially yeah. from COVID. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. Yeah. But that's awesome. And a little bit ago, too, you were referencing some people you sought mentorship from. So I would love mm-hmm. to learn more about like who's been great mentors to you and how does that process look? Um, I have different mentors and they're mostly all in the mindfulness space. So that's just connecting, getting advice, doing sessions. It all looks very different. Mm-hmm. I even consider my like an astrologer a mentor because when she looks at my chart, we're able to dissect my purpose in life and what does that mean for me? So it all kind of turns into a coaching session mm-hmm. and it, it comes into this session of advice and also with my mentorship because I work a lot with energy and I we all do. We're human. We feel energy just by doing this podcast. This is an energetic exchange. And with the astro photography readings, I do Oracle car readings and even being on zoom doing corporate and leading meditations, I really have to learn how to work with my energy. So we definitely have gone over different techniques where I can preserve my energy and I'm not taking anything on or people aren't taking stuff on from me. And I think that's really important. Doing this work is also learning how to conserve your energy in a way and connecting where that benefits you and other people at the same time. Mm, I love that. Yeah. We're spiritual beings having a human experience and we need to remember it. And we forget that often, but it's important. So what do some of those practices look like for you to kind of draw that? I don't want to call it a boundary or a line, but it kind of is, right? separate yourself? I meditate every day, uh, at least twice a day. So that's really big for me. And I don't have a bathtub now, but if anyone has a bathtub at home, just take an Epsom salt bath for 20 Mm -hmm. minutes. And that will really help with your energy. You can also imagine light around you yourself in a bubble just by setting intention. I also hold a, you can see I'm holding a crystal right now. I also hold a crystal to grab whenever I do sessions to grab my energy. And I don't have much earth in my chart, so I need it. This is my earth. (laughs) So I'm not in the ethers. Um, But yeah, those are just a few ways that help me. 
awesome. I I will give you some of my Earth because I have like something of like nine <laughs> planets or something. So wow, yeah, it's it's a lot. Oh my goodness, but I need some of that yeah. air and fire. So we can yeah. we can do a little exchange. We'll we'll swap a little. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's awesome. So I know that you also have the twelve week meditation program, right? So tell us a little bit about that. If you don't mind. Yeah. So that's for people who really want to go deep in their mindfulness practice and really go deeper in their meditation, whether they're a seasoned meditator or beginning meditator. And there's a different theme and a different topic based off of mindfulness, spirituality, whatever we want to call it. And we just go through week by week. We go over it a course of four months. We meet once a week, three times a month for an hour. And it's just fun. We go deep on certain topics. We always end with a guided meditation, maybe some journaling prompts, and really just giving people tools that I use myself that have worked for me that were passed down from my mentors or friends and tested and tried. And I'm just providing people with tools to do the same. That's really cool. And is that available on your website? It is. That's all available on my website. So I'm definitely still offering that too. That's great. I love that. Yeah. And is that something someone can join at any time? Like, is it just rolling or are there like start and end? Anytime. To it? Anytime. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. Yeah. So how do you personally balance out like working with the corporate world and doing film and the spirituality and meditation piece? Because I think sometimes it could be hard to balance those two worlds. So for you, how do you sync them together? I kind of infuse everything into one in a, in a sense. Like when I worked for a movie studio, I would like make people meditate in their office. So that's like one thing that. I do. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I was like, we're meditating. Um, but with corporate, a lot of it is mindfulness practices and spiritual practices. We, we meditate, we journal, we talk about things, we go into manifesting, we talk about the difference between stress and anxiety, why meditation is beneficial and breath work and... X, Y, Z. And what I've noticed is, yes, like corporate, we have to be mindful of what we're saying at the same time. We don't want to go too woo. Some, mm-hmm. some like that. Some actually prefer and some love, love that, which is great. But what I realize is in these corporate teams, which have been so much fun, it's, it's one of my favorite offers. People who are there are people and they're interested, even though it's quote corporate there's people who are watching who are practicing yoga and meditation and into all of this. And it's been really fun to have them share. And like some people know, maybe this is their first time and they're like, Oh my gosh, I can practice self care. And that's like also the beauty of this work is like, yes, you can like, you can put yourself first, fill your cup too. We, we want to encourage people that, but there's also people who are like, Oh my gosh, I have read that book and I feel seen in that way. Or this is how I practice mindfulness. So even though it is corporate, you know, think of corporate companies or people. And Mm -hmm. a lot of the people there are into more of the wellness, you know, realm as well. I'm happy to hear that too, because I think, I don't know, there's such a stereotype, at least from like where I am at in Connecticut, there are some people that go into the city and like this corporate business world. I'm just thinking of some of my dad's friends and they're very just like, business, you know, so I'm happy to hear that people have been very receptive to that. And that's evolving. It has. I even worked with a law firm and everyone at the law firm that I worked with the law firm's clients and it was clients all over the age of 50. It was fun. We we did yoga. He's like, can you do yoga and meditation for them? And I was like, sure. (laughs) It was so much fun. Yeah. It was wild. Good. 
especially because at least the stereotype is lawyers work like 80 hour work weeks. So it's good for them to have that like time to themselves. Mm -hmm. For sure. And then you also do intuitive readings. I do. So tell us a little bit about that and what that looks like. I do read Oracle cards. I've been reading Oracle cards for 11 years now. So yeah, it's really just guidance. So people come, I'll pull some cards. I use intuitive means to give messages. I do work by seeing images in my mind and Claire sentient. And yeah, that's just kind of how it goes. And we see what comes through. I like to, I like to do it without really asking questions at first. That's just personally how I work. I also work with other people where I ask questions and that's how they work. Mm. I don't ask any questions. I like to just see what's coming through and then we can kind of go from there. So that's how the the sessions work, but they're really fun. That's awesome. And how long have you really tapped into that gift of like clear sentience? And has that always been a part of you? Or? I've always had it because I definitely feel and I definitely, and I see as well. So I had it since I was like, when I was young, I was able to read auras around people, but mm-hmm. as you get older, that goes away and your, your quote, spiritual gifts goes away. And we were all spiritual as babies and we're all spiritual as kids. And that's why a lot of people have imaginary friends, to be honest. That really came back when I started practicing yoga and meditation a lot more because it just re reawoken, is that a word? <laughs> Reawakened <laughs> something within myself. And that's still happening. Like even since I've been back in Portugal the last two months, I felt a huge shift in what I'm sensing, what I'm perceiving, and dreams that I'm having. So it's definitely growing stronger. I think it's like so fun when that happens. It's like you tap back into your childhood and like that inner child gets to come awake again too, which is beautiful. 100%. And so you mentioned meditation, yoga, mindfulness, but are there any like specific practices you have to keep Mm -hmm. developing your intuition or, you know, like Um, what is, I guess, what does that look like? For your intuition, the number one thing to do is meditation, to be honest. That's going to grow your intuition. I feel the strongest. I mean, you can also do plant medicine. You can do Reiki session. Like there's so much that you can do in the spiritual realm. What I do personally is every day do a meditation and it can be certain meditations. I always recommend going on YouTube or finding meditations that resonate with you or what do you want to call it? And what do you want to change in your life? And that has been really, really strong. Yoga in itself also changes your intuition or heightens your intuition because when you practice yoga, you start to release trauma that's being stored in the body. So you learn how to become present. You learn how to work on your breath. You learn about inner stillness. You learn how to release trauma. And that's why I think yoga has gained so much popularity because you know, when I started yoga, it was to help my back and for a workout. Mm-hmm. And that's why a lot of people might start, right? And then we're like, oh, wow, there's all these amazing benefits. Like I feel more clear-minded and I feel less stressed and anxious. So that's why those two. And if you like to write, any journaling can also build your intuition. Even reading cards. Like when I give a reading, that's just my intuition talking and learning how to tap mm-hmm. into my intuition. But those are my my go-tos. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's great. And thank you for sharing about, you know, yoga and trauma because I think it's so important for people to recognize that like we can process and move through and have that self-healing as well as yeah. step into these beautiful gifts within that too. Oh, for sure. And a lot of it is releasing that. We all have trauma, whether it mean past lives this lifetime, we all have trauma Mm -hmm. and it's working with trusted people who can help you work through that trauma because 
when you start practicing yoga and meditation, it's not all candles and sandals. Like it's going to feel really good at times. And also it's going to feel really bad. (laughs) And there's going to be things that happen. Like I get energy work done and I like, it feel like I'm in soup for two days and I can't think. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. So it's like, it's not the most pleasant experience, but it is so life-changing and you will have that big shift when you do heal from that as well. Mm -hmm. But I'm all about having balance, like definitely focus on self-healing, but also go out and play and have fun at the same time that also raises your vibration. I don't Mm -hmm. think we need to be healing Mm 24-7. Yeah. I've never heard of that term candles and sandals, but I'm going to start using that now because I love it. I use it all the time. (laughs) That That is great. That is great. But it's true. I think so many people are like, I'm going to practice yoga and I'm going to be a meditator and life is going to be so much better. And it's like, it will be, but you got to get through some stuff first too. And it's again, ever... It's like you get through it and then there's more, right? So yeah, and the lessons get harder. So mm-hmm. it's gonna happen till you know, until we die, basically. Yeah. <laughs> like through the end, through the end of this lifetime, we're gonna be going through that transformation. And mm-hmm. and it's also though, you know, not playing it safe. I think that's what happens. We get in our comfort zone and we don't want to change, or we say we want to change, but then we really don't want to. See where you can step out of your comfort zone, whoever's listening, really stepping out of your comfort zone will help with that transformation. It really helps you go within. And that's when your life will massively shift and massively change by stepping out of your comfort zone. And that can be as simple as meditating because being in silent is, can be a very scary thing at the same time. Like who wants to sit alone with your thoughts? So that's where you really see the change, but it's so worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And if you had to recommend any any practice or a suggestion to get people to step out of their comfort zone, what would you say? You know, a lot of times we have this inner knowing within us of what we want to do and what we want to be and what where we want to go. And I always say, follow that intuition. It's that scary yet excited feeling that you have inside. And what happens is our ego mind might put that down. Maybe we want to be an artist, you know, making this up. Maybe we want to paint, be an artist, but the ego's like, oh no, you're too old to do that. You can't do that. Uh, and then it becomes scary. Who's going to judge me? Who's going to look at my work? Or what if I want to write? Oh no, I can't write anymore. I'm not good. If you have a gut feeling to do something or to move to a different country, you've always wanted to move to, I don't know, Germany, like go move to Germany, like where, wherever you want to go, like really, really follow that calling that can also be, you need to end a relationship, right? That's, but sometimes we say in relationships, that's staying in our comfort zone. And that's scary. That's stepping out of our comfort zone and having change. That could be leaving a job. That could be saying yes to a new opportunity that people might tell you, you can't do that. So anything that you find in your life, that's your calling, that's scary yet exciting, always go for it. Mm, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. So we like to kind of wrap up every episode on a specific question about curiosity, because this is why we started this podcast. But we like to ask, you know, what are you currently curious about? And how do you stay curious in your everyday life? Yeah, that's a really great question. So something that I have been really curious about and doing since I've been, especially since I've been back in Portugal, is really shifting and changing within myself, really up-leveling and kind of piggy piggybacking off of what we just talked about, going through changes to really let go of things that I need to let go of personally, like within myself to really up level. And I am working on that through meditation, through a lot of visualization techniques, 
a lot of surrendering. I just read the book, The Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer. And that's really been my main focus is myself and up-leveling in the best way I can to be of service as well as my business. And a lot of that takes undoing those limiting beliefs. And once we undo those limiting beliefs and we step even more, a new, a new limiting belief is going to show up. So it's <laughs> it, it's really going into that right now is something that I've just been personally working on and trying to, I don't know, nurture within myself. Thank you for sharing. And um, I guess to wrap up, you know, where can people find you? I think we talked about all of your offerings, but if there's anything we might have missed, what else can they reach out to you for? Yeah. Anything else you want to share? I think we we covered about everything. My website is thenowwithnat.com and my Instagram is thenowwithnat. So feel free to reach out and say hi. I would love to connect with you. And we'll definitely link that all below. But thank you so much for coming today and sharing all of your wisdom and resources. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. This episode was so fun. Thanks for joining us. Feel free to rate and subscribe. And we love connecting with you all over on Instagram at the moon in your mind. Send us a DM and let us know what you think. Sending love to you all.